This is the Cast. All right, folks, welcome to episode number 134 of the Cast. I am your host, Cody Stevenson. With me, as always, the man that built that place, Lachlan Urban. Man, we had a bit of a crazy day on Wednesday, which I don't know. Did we? I don't know about you, but if Did anything this on week Wednesday, I, I felt absolutely like dragged. Did it, <laughs> I mean, I guess you're like chilling in California, fucking soaking up well, the rays. So here's what happened, right? I have been, I don't know why, but lately I've been having some like insomnia issues. Okay. Uh, and uh, on Tuesday night before free agency, uh, and I had texted you earlier that, earlier that day that I was like, I forgot that UFA was that quick. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. maybe like on, I thought it was maybe today, if any day. So, uh, when, before we did that, the Tuesday show, yeah. uh, and that night for whatever reason, just couldn't sleep at all. Didn't even, I think I got maybe th- 30 minutes of sleep. Ooh. Uh, I come upstairs at about like, I come upstairs here to where we're, I'm recording from today, like, mm-hmm. out, uh, at about eight or maybe like, not even like seven, like I get up here at seven. I haven't slept at all. Feed the, feed the dogs. Uh, and then I immediately just kind of like, I'll take, I'll see if I can take like a 30 minute nap on the couch. Mm-hmm. I wake up at about 10.30 a.m. and all hell is broken loose. <laughs> and I <Yes. laughs> was so behind on everything. And I'm like, oh, no. Yeah. Um, I was trying, like, this week is end of the month. And it's our, like, quarterly, like, review kind of time. So I was slammed at work. Mm-hmm. So trying to manage, like, a company's inventory during the most like busy time of the year as the same day as like $800 million worth of contracts are being signed across the league. Trades are popping off all over the place. Like I could not fathom how much action was going on and how frustrating it was to have to be able to like, or have to work for a living because man, we're going to get into it, but the Canucks had a bit of a free agency day. They, yeah, they they won the day inventory. Yeah, they, did they ever? They had to yeah. stock up two separate locations in their NHL team and their AHL team. Yeah. But as we were just saying before we started recording this show, the Canucks somehow managed to both win free agency day and horribly lose it. <laughs> that does feel like a really good way of putting it. There's like there's a, they did so they did so many things right, but they also did a few things very wrong. Like yes, yeah, as they and, always tend to. And the funny thing was too is the free agency day for them really kind of started like maybe like the night before or maybe two days before, whenever it was, when they signed their most recent draft pick, Danila Klimovich, to his three year entry level contract, and it was like oh, they're really rushing through this to get this kid playing either in the QMJHL or in, I mean, hell, maybe the NHL or the AHL. That's kind of like the trajectory the kid thinks he's ready for is to go from the Belarusian second league straight to the NHL. Power to him. That's a, I mean, hell yeah, go for it, dude. Um, It arguably just, it it just started over the week. Like if it was kind of a, it felt like the day that everyone got signed was kind of just the, it was almost that was almost the end, like the ending in a way, like because there was the Nate Schmidt trade leading up. There was yeah. the Holtby buyout that all kind of meld. I feel like that all melded together. That's all kind it did. of part of the same package. Yeah, like it all kind of culminated in the 
the Nate Schmidt trade when they got rid of him. And then the Klimovich entry-level contract got signed and that kind of kickstarted the next part of the Canucks week where you're kind of just like, okay, they're thinking really far ahead here. They don't want another Vasily Podkolzin situation where he's trapped in the KHL, barely playing. He's clearly like an NHL caliber talent, but he's kind of unfortunately stuck in this contract situation. They're trying to avoid that with uh, this entry-level contract and, you know, everyone's going, Hey, this is great. Like the Canucks are really thinking ahead. They want some, they want their hands on for this next prospect of theirs because they, they kind of need this next prospect Klimovich to really work out considering they haven't really picked within the top 100 of either this draft or the last draft before it. So this is really, this is really good. And then uh, 9am UFA day started for them. And a lot of it was very good. They yes. signed 17 contracts total, which was the most of the day, but they were the only team on top of Seattle, actually, that was was basically building an AHL team from scratch and restocking their NHL squad. So they had a lot of contracts to dish out, and they got a lot of good depth pieces, a lot of proven scorers. So their Abbotsford Canucks team is actually going to be probably pretty legit. Like yeah. right from the out the gate, which is, I mean, that's a smart call. You can't like half-ass your brand new farm team inside Would the market. Which is kind of interesting just because, like, technically they don't have to do that, right? Like, technically, in yeah. theory, they could have just, like, depending on, maybe not necessarily with all of the players they've chose yesterday, but uh, in theory, they could have, you know, left that up to, you know, uh, to uh, Ryan Johnson and gone to him and just said, okay, find some AHL guys to sign to AHL mm -hmm. contracts that aren't going to come on, a, be part of Vancouver's salary cap situation of yeah. any, in any kind what have you. So they really swung for the fences on not so on not just finding guys who could build the, the Abbotsford team as well as trying to find as many low frill like low cost contracts that could potentially make their way up to playing yeah. NHL games which is frankly such a long time coming. Like we've been asking for that for a very long time to find yeah. your to find your uh uh, your Jace Howerlucks before they come there, your uh, Carter Verhage's before they turn into Carter Verhage. Like mm -hmm. this is kind of what they went for here a little bit to a certain extent. They maybe did. Not maybe not uh, so many surefire NHLers like coming up through this ranks, but like, but they cast a wide net. Yes, right? exactly. That, like that was the key. And that's kind of like been the, like what people have been begging for with the draft picks thing, right? Like stop trading them away. The more lottery picks you have, like the better chances you have that they're actually going to play out. In this case, they've signed a shit ton of two-way deals uh, with a lot of guys that are like typically tweeners, like guys in the 24 to 28 range who are really good proven AHL scorers and pretty decent rate scorers at the NHL level, but they just don't have that, that thing that keeps them in the NHL full-time. And... Because they've cast a wide net, I mean, shit, maybe maybe it works out. Maybe Nick Patan gets a call up because Brandon Sutter's injured himself for the seventh straight year. Ooh. And uh, he gets a look on the fourth line. Like, you, you have no idea, right? Yeah, you, you gotta be careful. You gotta, like, you, you gotta you gotta have your, your contingency plans in place, as always. Especially yeah. Vancouver, like, 
we we know more than anything that Vancouver has really struggled with injury luck over the last so many years, with the one exception being that 2019-20 team where the whole team pretty much stayed healthy for most of the year. You didn't have a lot of yeah. significant losses. And, and because then you go of, into last year where everybody got hurt. Like Yeah, and because of that 20 2019-20 team that was so like bizarrely healthy like you had their ahl team develop like a shit ton of chemistry because no one was getting called up mm -hmm. because they they didn't have the space they had no reason to call anyone up to begin with so you had this goal scoring phenom of a lineup that was like one of the best in the ahl that unfortunately had their season cut short yeah. and a lot of criticism has been levied at the ownership group for appearing to cheap out on their farm team. And I mean, proofs in the pudding, they've basically been outsourcing it to middle of nowhere, Utica, New York, and letting that management group handle everything while their kind of hands are off. Like they signed the two way contract NHL contracts and let them pay for the rest. This isn't really the case now with this AHL team. It really looks like they're, they're kind of pulling the Toronto Maple Leafs approach where they're like, we're going to sign as many guys to two-way deals and expensive AHL contracts, and we're going to go for a championship because money money usually wins in the AHL. It's an uncapped league. So if you spend a lot of money and then you invest, like you're probably going to see the results. Um, this is kind of the reason why Syracuse Crunch are always very good. It's the reason why the Dallas Stars organization is usually really good. Like it's just, the way it works sometimes. And so, it's usually why a lot of those players end up finding their way onto maybe not always to Dallas and Tampa, but right. always to other parts of the NHL and end up finding regular jobs later on. Correct. Um, so why don't we, before we get, we don't want to, <laughs> we don't want to hammer on like the negative this early. It's still very fresh. <laughs> so we're going to stick with the positives. So <laughs> we're going to go over some of the positive, the good of UFA signing day for the Canucks. So sure. I'll start because this one is great. Uh, I, I got unnecessarily hyped up by this because of Thomas <laughs> Drance. And apparently I guess Thomas Drance like has like good connections with uh, Brady keeper because of his time in Florida has nothing but good things to say about him. He's a uh, uh, Pim Cree nation from cross Lake Manitoba, absolute middle of nowhere, Manitoba, um, I cannot wait if he's actually going to play in Abbotsford. I'll be able to talk with him, talk with him about like his heritage, like this, this I'm rocks. Very excited. I'm excited for you, dude. Like I, just in terms of like, just, uh, just the fact that the Abbotsford team's coming, it's going to be very fun for, for you to go then, into those games. And now you got Brady Keeper. To and now I got Brady this. Keeper there to like, just like talk to him about like, like shit. Like, I don't even know, like his heritage. Like, I, I just want to ask him like, what, like, are you going to pull an Ethan Bear and try and get Cree syllabics on an Abbotsford AHL jersey or a Canucks jersey if you manage to earn yourself a call up? Because really cool. the way that, like, guys like Thomas Drance and, like, some of the analytics folks on Twitter were talking about him, like, they have me convinced he's going to somehow beat out, like, Tucker Pullman for a, a spot or beat out Re Luke Shen or something like that. So I'm unnecessarily hyped up for it. So for that, this was my first pick as number one good uh but yourself well i did i wanted to ask you about keep uh, about keeper because you saw him a little bit with syracuse this year what did what did you see from him that you like that you liked about his game from uh, watching so many games with him involved 
Uh, he just look. He just looks stable. Like he didn't look like he like in the AHL last season. Like you could really tell, like the junior players from uh, actual like AHL vets or guys that like are actually more established veterans. Like there's a a calmness and a poise to his game when that sticks out when you compare it to say Tyler Tucker, who was like a 20 year old making his debut out of the OHL. He would you know, be really reckless, be really physical, but then there'd be moments where he would just like stop moving his feet and just like watch other teams try and score on him right in front of his crease. And he would just like be completely zoned out. And then you have guys like Brady keeper on the other hand, who are just like, they know what they're doing. They're not like parking their feet and like not trying. So there's like a totally different thing. So I have, as far as I'm concerned, like he look, they look good. Yeah, I think he scored a goal against uh, the the Comets at one point or got an assist. I can't remember, but yeah, pretty excited for him to see him against like actual AHL competition instead of like a bunch of junior players. Yeah, he's got really good scoring rates at the AHL level too. Uh, he's only been given I think two NHL games like so far in his career. But hey, this is why you cast a wide net. You never know what's going to happen, and. Um, what uh like given everything that's going on in the culture of canada in regards to all these discoveries of you know mass graves at ind- residential schools across canada to to sign like a player like brady keeper like in the midst of this to show like you know this group these groups of people like they're not forgotten like we we respect you we value you and uh what better way to be like yeah this guy's like actually going to be really good you should be excited for him so i'm hyped yeah. Fair enough. That's those are all great points. Um, I think I think for me, I guess we'll start. I guess you know what? Let's start with uh, let's start with the other guy that I think got everyone hyped. But at the end, literally NHL, everybody, the literally everyone's excited for this guy. <laughs> it's Luke Shen, baby. He's coming back you, officially. You know that um, meme where it's like the predator handshake, and it's like like they're all like ripped and stuff. It's like yeah, one no. side, yeah, one yeah. side is like Benning Bros, the other side is Bitter Bros, and then the center <laughs> is signing Luke, Luke Shen to a league-friendly <laughs> deal. Because exactly. like he's one, like as you said on our last episode, because we were like like speculating that he would be signed to a league minimum deal, and we were like, I don't think anyone would have a problem with that because everyone liked him and he was exactly as advertised. Just like cheap defender, good, responsible, big, throws hits. Is exactly that's all he was advertised as. He wasn't like like Jim Benning trying to talk about Jalen Chatfield and just being like, yeah, he's tra- he's a uh, Troy Stetcher. Don't worry about it, guys. And everyone being disappointed. It's like Luke Shen's Luke Shen, baby. Yeah, and he's back. Two years, eight hundred fifty k or something like that. It's like yeah. dirt cheap. Like that dirt rocks. cheap, dirt cheap. And look, he fills two very important quotas uh, for both for for everybody. For us, his yeah, he for for like you know for the uh, for the uh, I, for the analytics uh, people and everybody else, you know, he, he fills the cheap cap depth kind of situation. Yep. He fills that rule eight fifty eight fifty per year for a guy with as much NHL experience as Luke Shen has is incredible. That's yeah. great. That's great. That's exactly what you want. And he's a guy that can yeah, he makes the big hits for the fans and. He and for the for the management team, he brings that Stanley Cup pedigree that they love so much. He's got two championships <laughs> in the last two years. Stanley Cup veterans, st- multiple cups over. This guy, yeah. this guy is the was the glue that held. He's the, Tampa the reason Bay why together. Yes, <laughs> Braden Point, or sorry, Nikita Kucherov 
could only score 30 points in 17 games because Luke Shen Luke had Shen his was back. there. That's, yeah, exactly. that's what everyone's takeaway was from exactly. the playoffs. Exactly. <laughs> that was that that you, Tampa won't win a cup again just because now this, that Shen's gone. As long well, as they, Luke, as they long brought as back Shen is- they brought back Zach Bogosian though, so they might have That's a chance. That's true. Still. They might. They, they might. Zach they Bogosian might. and Luke Shen p- formed one of the most dynamic third pairing defensemen on a Cup challenger or winner ever when <laughs> Tampa first won their Cup. Okay, so right. I, I typed this. I typed this out to you because I was like, you know, I have a feeling Tampa's. I'm pretty sure Tampa's going to threepeat here, and I think they're pretty well set up to do so. And then as I was typing that out to you, I was like. Wait, these guys won two Stanley Cups in less than 12 months. Oh, yeah. That's insane. It is insane, and you will never see it again. Well, hopefully no. You'll never, hopefully you'll never see it again. I mean, there's, there's already yeah, talk of it, wave number four look. coming. Uh, well, uh, two, yeah. yeah, 200 not, cases today reported. Like, uh, yeah, people, please get vaccinated please, for the love please, of Christ. I'm pretty sure everyone can. Please get I, please get I just don't want to do another we lockdown can in august no, no more i i can't not like not <sighs> again i'm 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 admittedly a very introverted person this has been too much for me um like okay with shen what's this is a guy who would be perfect on your third on your third pairing especially as a team that's you know the canucks are talking about a team that wants to you know wait and see they're not a, or like that wants to build go for like the playoffs and see what happens kind of team and the and whether or not you agree that that's the best way to approach it if you're going to do that, how you want to do it is find as much cheap depth as you possibly can, especially on your blue line with guys that can complement your your offensively minded for uh, defenders like Quinn Hughes, like Jack Rathbone, and have somebody who's steady, a, a steady stay at home defenseman who works there, who's not going to be, you know, again, uh, not going to be uh, a concern when they're on the ice that they're going to be a, a net negative, you know, from being out there. Right. Um, uh shen fills that very well he's a guy that had to really re like i don't want to say i don't know if rehabilitate is the right is the right word here but he was a guy that you know went early in the i believe was a former first rounder uh with toronto uh he was a guy that was you know he was expected to be a very different defenseman than he ended up being but in the last few years he's really really he's really changed what the perception of what he is uh, to something that is uh, that fits his role and fits his style of play a lot better, and it really is perfect for what the Canucks need. Having that that defensive presence back there, he's not going to be he's not going to blow you away. He's not going to be he's not going to be uh, the like the greatest like uh, shutdown defenseman of all time or anything. But they don't need him to be that. They just need him yeah. to be serviceable and helpful to when when they have when they have to when they pair him with a Rathbone or a Hughes. Yeah, so long so long as they don't you know, try to get him to play a role that he's not fitting. Like they, if they put him on the ice and we're like, Oh, Hey, be a shutdown guy, a shutdown matchup guy against elite competition. Like he's not going to succeed, but if they find that perfect middle ground, like he, they found when he first debuted with the Canucks and kind of just was the tough guy, the tough, responsible stay at home guy while Quinn Hughes darted around the offensive zone, then he's going to be fine. You don't yeah. have to worry about it. And for 800K, you love it. Why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. On, on that same kind of note, there was another defenseman they signed, which I always thought, which I thought was a really good pickup, which was Brad Hunt. He's uh, like a journeyman player. He's played like all around the league. 
he actually started in the Canucks system uh, with really? the Chicago Wolves. Yeah, he started with the Chicago Wolves back when the Wolves were their affiliate. He actually debuted in a year in which Nolan Baumgartner was still playing. And now he's how like his is, coach. How old is Brad Hunt? Brad Hunt is no. Brad Hunt is thirty-two. So he debuted I, out of the NCAA in twenty ten. Nolan Baumgartner and Brad Hunt don't seem to line up in that with that in mind. Like that just okay, well, that you, just seems impossible. That seems impossible to us. You don't want to extent. see what seems even more impossible sure. when uh, Brad Hunt debuted in the Chicago Wolves. Uh, one of the main players for the Canucks AHL team at that time was Zach Cashin and Jordan Schrader. Oh, I was gonna say I was gonna say Eddie Lack, but uh, oh wow! Oh, That's he might have been. I didn't scroll that far down on the Elite Let's Prospects see. page. If he was in the Chicago. Uh, yeah, he would have just been there right around the Eddie Lack year. It looks like yeah, uh, right so around that time. He he's one of those like guys who's like actually like surprisingly pretty good in prescribed minutes. Uh, I think he's, if I remember correctly, he's had like 28 point seasons, an 18 point season, like as of recent, like within the last four years. You know what's also crazy about about Brad Hunt? He was a part of the Vegas Golden Knights inaugural season, and he had something like nineteen or twenty something points. I remember that he was. uh, Yeah, but he didn't play any playoff games. So what happened with Brad Hunt, if I remember correctly, is he was the guy that the I believe the Wild they agreed to take from the Wild uh, for the in order to protect. I want to say, I want to say Clayton Stoner or no, they got Spurgeon maybe. It was something, yeah, it was something along those lines. They wanted it would have been Spurgeon, I think. Or, so they probably no, said it was Patteron. I think it was Greg, it was either him or Greg Patteron because uh, uh Spurgeon, no. I don't think, was old enough to be uh, protected at that point. I don't think he was uh, been around in the league long enough. And what they ended up getting from the wild Alex was also Tuck. Eric, uh, Alex Tuck. And I think, uh, did they get Eric Hollow from them as well? I think something like that. I some feel like, of, yeah, they got there both. was something, there was something weird there where essentially the, the, yeah. the wild were one of the teams that gifted the Knights, that great team right out of the gotcha. game. Um, it was something where like, and then it, and in hindsight, it was one of the, I, the reason also I know it wasn't hey, Jared thanks, Spurgeon Chuck is Fletcher. because it was, it, it, I knew it wasn't Jared Spurgeon as well as because the idea was that the wild, the, who the wild chose to protect for that deal ended up completely not being worth it. So gotcha. like Spurgeon would have been worth it if you were protecting Spurgeon. Right. It was somebody else, somebody who was not as necessary necessary really? for the wild success as Jared Spurgeon. But yeah, I remember Hunt in the early year that was in that very first year being a huge part of the of this of for them. Uh didn't yeah, you're right. Did not play any playoff games. He had seven points the next year. He ended up going back to the or going back to the wild uh, oh, he was a blues pick or something. Interesting. Uh, just looking at it, like trying to look at the schedule, but let there at his, uh, just trying to line it up. That old Knights team will be an interesting, like uh, exploration in a few years. But yeah, he was yeah expansion. Yeah, he's been he's been around the One league. Of, um, he, do you think he challenges for a spot on the Canucks? Like how how much on, do you think he challenges for a spot on this defense? Probably puts up a good <laughs> fight. Like the Canucks defense is. We like, should just. Why don't we just cut? Let's rip off the band aid. Let's get right into it. So, despite all the good signings, the Canucks made, of course, there was the Oliver Ekman Larson acquisition in exchange for the first round pick and a bunch of dog shit players. As well, the team decided to extend contract offers to Tucker Pullman of the Winnipeg Jets, a right shot defenseman, pretty big boy, worth $2,500,000 a season for four years. And then if that wasn't enough, they then extended a contract to Travis Hamanick 
30-year-old Travis Hamannick, also a right-shot defenseman, for $3 million. So five and a half million. So five and a half million guaranteed in cap for the next next year. For the next basically the Nate Schmidt money. Yeah. Basically, yeah. The same price you paid for Nate Schmidt. Okay. Let's start. I guess that's a good pro to start with. Is now instead of one player who didn't want to be here, you've got two players who seem to want to be here for the next two years, in theory. Theoretically. That's okay. Good. (laughs) You're you're that's that's one becoming two is good. That is a pro. But yeah. more, less is more. You know, kind of to a certain degree, right? Um, here's here's where it gets. Here's where the problem comes in. And this is what. And again, I was having much lots of fun talking about the fun players before we got into this. But this is we got it. We let's get. But getting this out of the way so we can talk about the fun players again is the right thing to do here. <laughs> Tucker Bullman supposedly does not have does not stand up well. Not only compared to uh, on the advanced stat side of things, which is not great, not already not great. Apparently, he also just doesn't line up on the eye test either. A lot of people in Winnipeg who were at were apparently just absolutely relieved to get rid of him. So uh, I he... don't know why the Canucks not only felt that they needed to give him two million dollars a year or two and a or is it two and a half? Sorry, two and a half. Um, yeah. I don't know what, not only that, plus four years for this guy. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, so I, I, I really as, don't know like where I'm looking, where I'm supposed to look for what, what good is coming out of this exactly. So there's a lot to unpack from this contract alone, because as Canucks fans at this point, if you haven't realized this, you should now Jim Benning and his pro scouting staff are not very good evaluators of defensive talent. The it fig it says as much that the one of the best right shot defensemen they had in their system was a pickup from the NCAA and they lost him for nothing and he was only making 1.7 million dollars. Oh, I know who that is. I know who I think is. you might know. Is it Un- is it is it Troy Stetcher? <laughs> it might have been. So <laughs> on top of that there's the there's the whole like they're just bad at figuring out actual good defensemen. But as someone who's watched Winnipeg, Tucker Pullman is just a guy. He isn't a guy you would go out of your way to give a four year contract to, let alone a two point five million dollar contract to, because he's just a body. And typically, when you're looking for right shot defensemen, you don't sign multi year deals to guys who are just there to skate around like yeah no when you're spending four at 2.5 you want a guy who's actually going to be playing meaningful minutes for you it's going to be scoring or he's going to be like an elite shutdown guy but tucker pullman is neither of those things he skates really well for his size but he's not an offensive defenseman and he's not a defensive defenseman in winnipeg he played pretty tough matchups but that's because he was with josh morrissey and they got killed. They got absolutely destroyed. Josh Morrissey is like massively overrated by Winnipeg and Winnipeg fans. I think actually Winnipeg fans are actually smart enough to know that Morrissey isn't as good as say like Neil Pionk on that team. Like they they just know. They so also, they're also kind of in a situation where it's like, well, what else do you have? Like they don't have. Yeah, they, that's why. Used to be incredible, and they just and they ended up for what for. Uh, for a bunch of reasons they don't have yeah. that but uh, quite a few things out of their control they ended up with 
nothing on their decor. That's but they like changed that a bit. Well, then they also added Brendan Dillon via trade and then That's Nate right. Schmidt via trade. So they've actually put together a pretty decent decor with those four it. guys alone. Yeah. So when a team like Winnipeg doesn't even bother to try and re-sign Poolman, who are you bidding against if you're the Vancouver Canucks that you need to extend? So the scariest thing, if you haven't listened to, if you don't listen to the Vancast folks, like listen to the latest Vancast because shout out to them because they just shout out to them because it was literally their last one ever. The, according to Drance, he received several messages from people in the industry no specifications on who that were side eyeing the contract that was given to Pullman and they couldn't believe it, <laughs> which you couple that with all the analytics guys on the internet being like, yeah, Pullman's a replacement level defenseman four years at 2.5 million is just ridiculous. It's you know it's doesn't feel good. If you're a Canucks fan, given how, the defense was the biggest area of improvement this off season. And it seems like they've through their own actions made it worse. Yeah. This defense <laughs> the, is terrible. Like, and, and that's no fault of likers who are here, like Hughes and Rathbone and Rathbone and well, that's it. And Braden and Luke Shen and also Luke Shen who are our, our favorite, our absolute favorite. Here's the thing that I'm actually just like losing my mind a little bit at uh, the Tucker Pullman contract. I was like, I, he must've made de- I was thinking, Oh, he must've made decent money on his last contract. Right? Nope. His last cap hit was $775,000 and the Canucks yeah. just tri- uh, uh, tripled like a- it. Just tripled that like on, yeah. on this contract. It's a big I bet. It's... And then I realized, oh, this is his second contract. He had an ELC and then a standard. He must be pretty young. Nope, he's 28. Right. He's yeah. only played four years and he's 28. So they yeah. don't even get the say the side of airing on the side of, well, he's young. He might improve. Nope, this is what he is. What he, is. he is what he Tucker Pullman is. It's Tucker the same Pullman. thing. What so I was listening. I was listening to the hockey PDO cast with D- uh, Dmitry Filipovich and Basically, their entire consensus on the Canucks' defense acquisitions this season is you're you're banking so heavily on hope that Oliver Ekman Larson's going to like find this extra gear simply because he likes being in Vancouver. And Tucker Pullman, you're expecting him to be a shutdown defenseman, even though he's 28 and has never been a good defensive defenseman his entire career. And, and the years. same guys from before, it's Tyler Myers, it's Travis Hammond, who are older. Like, have, it's not better. They're like, and we then, think he's got a little bit of Chris Tanavidum. I mean, they share a few letters but in their names, but yeah, that is it. it. There is nothing Chris Tanev like about Tucker Pullman in any way, shape, or form. But you somehow you've decided to pay him like he is Tucker Pool, like or like he's Chris Tanev a little yeah. to a certain degree. Like I mean, t- Chris Tanev's only making four and a half million a year. <laughs> I mean, that's the devil, you know. Jeez. I mean, sure, his injury issues are like a like a huge red flag, but wouldn't you rather have what you know and the locker room presence he brings over just I, three bets I always, I always, on contracts that take you until. I, like when Niels Hoglander's ELC is up, like why? I always feel bad bringing up 
Tanev in particular, just because I actually did think, because I say it all the time. I thought moving on from Chris Tanev was the right call at the time. It was the right call. Old. But it's now turned into the situation where they can't find anyone better. The, and this is the thing. He's like, doing okay. And, and he's doing better than expected in Calgary. So now it's like, what the hell? He was like legitimately do? a top defenseman in the league last year. That's how good he was. Like, this is like the what thing is do? like, the, at that time, the 2019-20 offseason, it was completely reasonable to move on from Tanev and Markstrom because their contract asks yes. we're going to put the team against it. Right. Now, with so. hindsight being 2020, you arguably could have re-signed Jacob Markstrom and Chris Tanev and tried to work it. A lot of people say you would have lost Demko in the expansion draft, yep. but look at it this way. The Canucks just spent the ninth overall pick to get rid of a bunch of dead money. Are you telling me they wouldn't have found a way to pay Seattle to not take Thatcher Demko if they were well, willing to? Well, I don't know. You don't negotiate with the, the expansion team. Like everyone learned that. That's why they got nothing this time around because everyone was like, yeah, we're not doing I understand that. that. But this is what I'm saying from the with the benefit of hindsight you could have still negotiated because you still proved to the league that you were willing to part with your ninth overall pick to improve immediately. So there, if you're willing to give your ninth overall to protect or not even protect, but just to get out from your mistakes, what's the difference between trading your ninth overall to protect your star goalie Thatcher Demko? Could you imagine what? if you're running Thatcher Demko and Jacob Markstrom this last year do you think they're as bad out of the gate if they have Chris Tanev in the locker room still and Jacob Markstrom in the in there too? Hey, on I based I don't on think what they I are last year. I don't think it mattered. I think they were going to be that bad regardless. Like just some of the stuff that happened to them was kind of not. It was neither like goaltending. Better goaltending wasn't going to solve what happened last year. It was, and no, it was, I think it's always going to be defense, right? Slight, and even even on defense, I don't know if just say. Uh, replacing Tan replacing Nate Schmidt with Chris Tanna fixes much. I don't think it fixes. I don't probably think it, not. Like, I think it maybe maybe it gets you from seventh place to sixth. Mm -hmm. But I think some of the stuff that happened to the Canucks last year was just so crazy and out of control that it wasn't. There was nothing that was going to stop that sinking ship to a certain extent because it, it was just it was stuff that we didn't even see coming like you and i both had them in the play expected them to kind of challenge for fourth at least yeah we, we were at least like mid stumped. like third or fourth right and... it was a, that was extreme on a different level and right. i also think that uh like with, with like i'm willing to hear you out on the idea of maybe it would it would have been in their better interest with tanov markstrom no and I, and I said this to someone who obviously loves Jacob Markstrom. Like, he's one of my favorite goalies. I watched Calgary this year more than I ever have because I love, <laughs> watching, I love watching Markstrom play. He was um, not good for that. And he was, a guy, and he was a guy who hedged a lot of bets. He was okay until they burnt him out again. Yeah, I was going to say. Like he, he was great until – what was it? He he played like seventeen straight or something. Yeah, they completely cooked him. It's not yeah. it's not on him that they don't that Calgary doesn't know how to manage a goaltender to save and their I'm, life. That's completely I'm pretty sure the, most the organization. Of, most of the discussion beforehand too was like, yeah, Calgary with Markstrom is going to be really dangerous, but will they have the the will they, like foresight to not run him into the ground yep. because that's what did when I he fails? I, and, yeah, I literally spent a whole like all offseason harping on hey don't overcook him because then yeah. you're in trouble and they did it anyway they didn't listen to me <laughs> they like they sure did have. um but also with markstrom if they had kept him let's say they did resign him 
let's say they did resign him. They went in with last year with Demko and Markstrom. Yeah, again, maybe gets you from seven to six. I think you're looking at a situation where you're not just – if you want to keep Demko, you're not just getting rid of set of uh, that ninth overall pick. You're probably parting with like Hoaglander or Pudkulzin or something because remember, crap, Seattle in theory could just hold you to your feet to the fire if they're and unless you're willing to give them everything they want right it's not like with it's not like with making a deal with anyone else where you can make a real negotiation out of it the expansion team you're screwed they're going to take whatever they want from you whether that's that goal whether that would have been demko or whatever prospects you were going to they were going to make you give them to keep him so i think at the end of the day that was still the right call um, especially, especially considering now, and we'll get into, you know, we'll get into what the, the new backup goalie situation here in Vancouver in a second, but, uh, right now you've got Pullman, you got, you got this Pullman contract, which again, look, the one thing I'll say for this contract, as far as it goes, like, is the value probably going to go down based on what I think Pullman's going to bring to the table? Yeah. And it will make him slightly harder to move, but it's still not immovable. It's not, this is not a, this is not like, I think I, it's not a total boat anchor. Like some of the other contracts it, they've got on the book. It's a it, pretty it's, big anchor. It's, it's a, he's, too, someone he's is basically like Luke. He's Luke Shen getting paid like more than freaking Yanni Hackenpah or John Merrill who are like <laughs> legit defensemen. Sure, but you, you, but I don't think, but I think again, like, what is he? He's a right shot. The one thing that he's, he's got, I believe he's a right shot defenseman. People will pay for that. Even if, like, even if people will take a flyer on it, you might have to retain salary on it if it goes wrong, but it's not so bad. It's not so egregious that you can't like, that you can't make a fix later on if it, if it's clearly a mistake. Like it's true. Like at this point too, like, if Duncan Keith can get traded and his whole contract gets moved, anybody can get moved. I if guess Rasmus Ristolainen can get you a, a first, first round pick. Then yeah. yeah, I'd say Tucker Pullman, even if he struggles <laughs> later on, could net you a decent return. Like yeah. not a great one, but something. Well, we want to get be, we want to get you know, into the actual returns. So why don't we quickly wrap up the the, the Canucks moves because the other. Really good signing they made. Brandon Sutter finally on a contract that actually like reflects his value. So, I've already I've already gone on huge tangents about how like I was ready to move on from Brandon Sutter just because it's like fuck this am. team needs to improve. Yeah. But like whatever. Yeah. I after I after would... seeing the Pullman and um the Hamannick deals, I'm grateful they decided to just go back to Sutter instead of sign someone on the free agent market because it sounds like they would have like made a terrible call i guess i mean yeah so here's a yeah i i've been working i'm working right now on a bit of like a trade grades like sort of or like a signing grades sort of article right now where i give everybody kind of like a letter grade i gave brandon sutter's like a c plus that seemed Mm -hmm. like the easiest out of the bunch because like yeah totally team friendly totally easy to manage contract there's no no move there's no like uh trade clock no move clauses or no trade clauses on it uh as a fourth line center he's perfectly serviceable i yeah. do just the one thing that the one knock i have against it is just the fact that it's you're it's the same like you've already seen what brand there's nothing brandon sutter brings to the table that's going to make you that much better even as a fourth liner compared to a third liner there is he is not going to improve any more yeah. than he already is and i kind of i'm like i kind of would i i here's the thing i think jujar kara went to the blackhawks for less money for like yeah. in the in the six figure range 
I would rather have Jujar Kara on line four than Brandon Sutter, just because he's a younger, there's a little bit more potential for an upside there, uh, even if it doesn't work. And again, if it doesn't, six figures, or it's not that hard to move and move or put down in the mine, put in the minors. And I do think that's a possibility that some of the guys who they signed out of some of these other guys that they signed could potentially steal that job later on. You never know. Uh, especially considering Sutter didn't help much offensively this year. Like he, he had some, I think he had some hey, injury issues, but hey. also he had the hat he trick. Sco- he scored a hat trick against the Ottawa Senators. Goodbye. He, yes. He scored, against, he scored a hat trick against Matt Murray. Yes. Well done. Uh, <laughs> but like, okay. So negative. So but again, but I, I know terrible of me. I, <laughs> What's happened? Fine. I'm supposed to be the negative. Yeah, it's fine. Sutter. It's a fine contract. I'm not going to lose. Like I'm like, I'm like, I kind of wish they'd maybe gone and looked somewhere else first. At least it kind of seemed like they went to Sutter like immediately rather than like waiting to see what the market had. Or they like, did the math. Talking, they did the, the math on their like, two deals and were like, oh, we probably should just go like back Sutter, to Brandon. Yeah. Sutter is the one case where it's like, yeah, maybe a circle, maybe the circle back situation is a better suited here yeah. than say with like some of the other players that they've done it with. Um, because yeah. I think there were potentially some better options for a little bit cheaper available, or at least options that could potentially have a higher payoff for that for around that same amount of money. Um, I'll give you one. Okay. Here. Uh, he's a player that the Canucks acquired from the Chicago Blackhawks back in 2019, I want to say. Or at the. Wow, two years ago. I think. Uh, yeah, at the, the end of Blackhawks. 2019, they picked him up from Chicago in exchange for the. I think he was included in a trade for like Michael Chaput or something like that. Or. Uh, I, uh, I can't remember. Kiro. It was. Tanner Kiro. Yes. So Tanner Caro has made a whopping $750,000 every year for the last five years. And he spent spent all of last year on Dallas's fourth line and he scored 10 points in 39 games. Oh, get out. Good for him. I didn't know. I didn't know. That's how little I paid attention to the stars this year. I didn't even know he played. Good for him. The Canucks literally had him in their system instead of... Like for, I mean, there was one point where they did call him up, and they, they for whatever reason didn't give him a look, even though that team had nothing going for it. So it was like yeah, just was give him odd. a look, like who gives a shit? Yeah. Um, um, Brandon Sutter, twelve points in forty three games, so kind of the same, but yeah. doesn't have the foundational rapport that Brandon Sutter has with Captain Bo Horvat, etc. Right. Um, with Hamonic. We, uh, uh, I also want to touch on this. Is <laughs> see, this one was more to me was worse than the than the Pullman signing. To oh, really? Yeah, honestly, this was a little worse because you know why it is. Because here's here's the thing, right? What do we know about Travis Hamonic other than the fact of like, hey, there's only about three teams he's going to go to, more or less. Um, and kinda, what he, he kind of looks like goofy. <laughs> wow, that's a bit that's a bit harsh, but uh, okay, sure. I mean, in a polite way, he just looks yeah. like a cartoon character. <laughs> that's okay, okay. <laughs> it's the missing teeth. That's all. It's the missing teeth. Okay, like can't you just see him like going? Oh god! Be, oh, like you know, like the oh, the goofy. Well, I, don't think he, I don't think he's coming on the show anytime soon. Good lord! Yeah, uh, uh, he wasn't gonna come anyway. <laughs> but like last, okay. But you know what was the big thing? The big pro with Travis Hamonic last year was that he was cheap. He came at about 1.25 million 
And he wasn't fantastic. He was just more, he was just okay. He was just an okay player. The like he did, he he was serviceable for the year. Like a very a perfect example of a good, let's take a flyer and see how it goes. Kind yeah. of deal. Kind of contract. I have no idea what he possibly did last year to earn a raise this time around. Uh and a raise where that Oh, more than doubles what he's gonna make, what he made, what he made last year for the next two years. Yeah, there is no way he did anything warranting a full three, a full raise, like a like a hundred percent raise. raise. Yeah. That is, yes, yeah, that's the Quinn Hughes effect, I guess, where they were just like, oh, he has chemistry with them. He'll still be cheaper than Chris Tanev, so we got to sign him no matter what. <laughs> There is, I don't, there is I don't, I don't understand possi- it. There's nothing he, there, like nothing he did last year was so great that it was like, oh, we got to get him back and we, at any, by any means necessary for any dollar amount. There was nothing there, like he was fine. I'm not I saying was gonna he say, was there, bad. He was just okay. There's there was just, like a there's 10 game was, stretch where he was like, maybe like their best defenseman, but it was like. But when the was, bar is on the floor and you're yeah, the best, like who cares? Yeah, you're just stepping over it. Like that's yeah. not a that's not a high bar to clear. Yeah, like Jalen uh, Shatfield was of one of their best defensemen in one game. Like, yeah, doesn't mean anything. Yeah, there's no and right now especially, I'm looking at the Canucks roster and I'm just like, I don't know where you put them. Like, there's nowhere to put them anymore. Uh, well, there's nowhere I, to put I, anyone he, anymore. I mean, I guess he plays with Hughes again, but I don't want him playing with Hughes. I was again. gonna say, like the lot. I think we actually kind of tried to broach this topic when we were uh, doing the the review of the weekend because we were like, what are the pairings on this yeah. team anymore? Because Jack Rathbone is probably going to contest for a spot, and they in their like season review kind of thing jim benning had said like oh we have enough puck moving defensemen we just need more defensively responsible guys because everyone on their <laughs> left side get... is where are they i'm still looking for yeah them. and so what do they do Outside they dub- they tripled down by getting ekman larson who's a puck moving defenseman and trading nate schmidt who was like oh, their last expensive. really good defensively responsible puck moving defenseman so now they have Myers, who only understands offense, Ekman Larson, who's by all accounts taken a shit ton of steps backwards, is not a good skater anymore, and needs power play time to basically pad his stats. And then two kids who are like dynamic puck moving defensemen. And now well, you have clearly needs a mentor on the blue line who can keep who can stabilize the blue line as he's learning. Yeah. And one guy who can lead a blue line on his own, but is often being asked to do too much and yeah. is being asked to be to kind of just carry a like, you know, pull pull a boulder on a chain, basically, yeah. you know, like he's clearly getting weighed down by a partner most nights. Yeah. Like then that's kind of the problem is right now looking at their their who they have it as their new options here. Like outside of Rathbone, outside of Rathbone and Hughes, you got you obviously OEL is gonna be on his own. So you got those three. You're yeah. going to want to probably OEL you're putting with, you don't want, cause again, you, I do not under any circumstances want Myers playing with Hughes or Rathbone anymore at oh. all. He ever. doesn't like playing with either guy either. Cause he wants to be the guy. Yeah. He wants to be the scorer. So he's yeah. not going to like, and I don't trust, and I don't trust him to mentor, to be a good, to be a good, uh, like stabilizing, uh, defenseman for Rathbone. 
So I'm going to put it, so I have to put him with OEL. Well, then what he, now you're stuck. Now you're in the conundrum of, okay, are you going to p- move Tucker Pullman up to playing first pairing with Quinn Hughes? I don't think so. You might have to get stuck with Hamannick again on there, which again was fine for last year, but I don't yeah. want him there. I don't want that, that pairing for 82 games a year. That's mm-hmm. out. Of, that's too much. You got, and then you have, and then there's the Luke Shen thing where it's like, well, Luke Shen could fit probably as an, oh, again, another case of it's you're, you'd be bringing a guy up to play at a pairing on a level that he shouldn't really be like Luke yeah. Shen, we love, but I don't think, but I don't want him. If, if he's playing 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes a night, that's a problem. Yeah, then they've done something wrong. Exactly. And so maybe like you compare him with Hughes every now and then, or maybe you can, and maybe you compare him with uh, Rathbone every now and then, but then you're, you're running into the problem of, well, now we've got a more expensive defenseman literally sitting in our press box and that becomes yeah. a whole other problem. Yeah. So this is this is inherently the issue here is the Canucks have made for the Canucks have somehow by attempting to find defensemen to pair with each other they have somehow succeeded in finding no one to pair with anybody. <laughs> yeah, like, there is no they've one solved here. none of their problems on the defense. They, no, they've maybe gotten slightly better, like in terms of offensive ability on on defense, but their def- their actual in the zone, their own work at behind their own blue line is. Very, yeah. very suspect. Suspect now. as fuck. It it's is. a lot of like, it's just a bunch of bets, right? Like they're they're banking on Tucker Pullman being like a matchup guy, or they're betting on Ekman Larson becoming like what he was five years ago. Which like, when is betting on a guy returning to his form from five seasons prior ever worked out in this league? It hasn't. When has it ever? What? It, it, when has it worked out? More so sp- specifically, when has it worked out for the Canucks? Because that has. <laughs> yeah, that too. Like I've seen some teams been able to re reinvigorate a couple players, but the Canucks have tried many times and it has not worked. So I don't know what you're. Yeah, like do. it's it's really dicey, and I kind of love the argument that like, oh, well, they this is why they hired Brad Hunt to be their Brad defensive Hunt coach. Brad, or, or, or sorry, uh, Brad, um, Brad, Brad Shaw. Brad but Shaw. the funny thing about Brad Shaw is he was just coming off a Columbus team that was notoriously awful defensively. And you know who one of those defensemen was? Was Seth friggin' Jones, who they traded because his friggin' numbers were were just completely well, awful. And because they were going to get a great return from Chicago. For uh, that too. But you know what I mean? Like, like a lot of fans that are like oh like don't worry about you know the optics and the analytics because these guys have brad shaw backing them and it's like brad shaw might be the best defensive coach in the world but he couldn't do anything with seth jones so banking on him to do something that fixes not only like rathbone and hughes who are kids and are still going to learn like proper defensive zone coverage and reads and all that stuff but you're you're not going to get that from 31 year old Tyler Myers or 27 year old Oliver Ekman Larson or 28 year old Tucker Pullman or 32 year old Luke Shen. They're, they're pretty well set. Yeah. You're, you're taking, you're banking on things that have not had that you're, that no one else is seeing happening in your own system that somehow is going to change. Like that's just not how that's just not how people work. Like people just aren't like that. There's no magical recipe that can somehow turn guys that into brand new versions of things they used to be like it's just it's just how it goes 
Yeah. Um, and it's again, it's too bad because there's there are pieces there that could make for a very promising blue line. They're just going to have to again pull more than their weight to make it to make it doable. And you're going to run into a situation where Thatcher Demko and uh, his new backup uh, Yaroslav Holak are going to have to do are going to have to really be able on a lot of nights. They're going to have to be at lights out completely lights out and you're flawless otherwise you're not going to win a lot of games yeah. so your bank you're asking a lot you're asking a lot out of the younger guys you're asking a lot out of the older guys you've just brought in you're asking you're asking a lot of everybody in that blue coaches line to do more yeah you're asking forward groups like you're asking so much you're of asking everyone the sun in the to make it work instead of you didn't you didn't not enough safe bets were made on the blue line and yeah. specifically what specifically with like guaranteed safe nhl bets. but like they made good safe bets for the for the depth pool like you mentioned brad yeah hunt. i agree you mentioned brad hunt there's luke shen there's brady keeper we've already mentioned there's you got kyler you got kyle burrows coming in and uh you got uh like there are uh, Devonte Stevens. These are guys that might you never know. They could they could turn out to wow you at the end of the day. But before before we move on, I do want to say the problem is uh, not before we move on. Sorry, but before I forget this point, <laughs> but it's not. We keep saying bets because that's how we view these players as in their roles. Like these are huge bets by the organization. But as we know this organization has an idea of what a player is. And even if they do everything to prove that they are not it, they are still convinced. So to you and I, Tucker Pullman is a bet that he's going to be a shutdown defenseman, but the Canucks have decided he is a shutdown defenseman and worth four years at $2.5 million in their minds. They're not making a bet because they know, They've already they they suppose that in their minds they've already seen it even if yes. even if everyone else has <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. which yeah. that that's a great I don't know that's, if, a, that's a very good way of putting it I think yeah, yeah. because which, yeah like all of us are like oh god like how many times do you have to like roll the dice and hope that it works for six defensemen to put it all together yeah uh, yeah but for them they're like oh no this is fine I don't see why everyone's freaking out it's Tucker yeah. Pullman you saw he's, I mean you he's tall. Saw, I mean, you already saw the whole thing with like the with with when it came to OEL, Jim Benning literally saying, I don't know why his numbers were bad in which implies again, that he's not been paying attention to the guy he just he just they, shelled out a bunt, he just shelled out a ninth overall pick to get. That's a problem. Um that that quote, like so but this it, past it, season it really gets you. Really this past season you, we got, you know, ran out of time, we live day to day. Uh I work with Francesco every day going over the plan of the team. We got so many nothing candid, incredible nothing quotes. Candid, you know? He's a very honest man. And yeah. like, you know, honest God bless him. Yeah. God bless him for like being so trustworthy and honest with media when he has no right to be. When he has, he has no, he has no, or not no, or like he has no, he has, no yeah. reason to be like, he doesn't yeah, need no. to be as forthright and yeah. he's not the smartest man to be forthright with what he believes and that goddamn quote where he can explain why a seven million dollar defenseman he just traded a, the ninth overall pick for why he was bad and he look i 
I cannot wrap my he's, fucking yeah, head around he's, it. He's, it is he's such very, a frustrating you know quote to he's, listen to. He's very truthful at the wrong times, and he's also very uh, uh, bit of a uh, of a fibber at the wrong times as well. He's and a, bad he's at very, it. He's, he's a very so bad at life. He's, so bad. <laughs> he's, a very he's so bad. He's a very interesting man. Um, he is. I would love a book written by him somehow, I'm, where he just I'm, explains I'm sure his entire like mo. I don't know. He. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. uh, Well, maybe someday. Um, One player I did want to talk about in terms of signing as well, uh, who I already kind of mentioned, Yaro Halak. Uh, Yeah, we talked about him in the last show a little bit before uh, we knew what was gonna. If it was for sure that he was coming, right? Um, So we're looking at a we're looking at a situation here. He's getting it's a one one point five million cap hit, very manageable. Uh, It's very. He struggled a little bit last year. had a bit of a tough had a bit of a tougher year in Boston last year than uh, in previous years. But overall, a very serviceable backup for Tuka Rask over the last so many years. Um, I I like this. I don't mind this at all. Like I I know some people are cons- that th- this contract concerned them a little bit. Like this was one of the all they would group into the similar into the Hamannick Pullman category. One point five for one year on a goalie. That's yeah. who cares. Like that's it an was- easy. <laughs> It's a safe. It's this is a this is a safe. This is a very safe bet. Like this when is, we when we were speculating on our last show, we were literally like, if it's anything over one point five million, then what was the point of buying out Holpe? And right. what did they do? They 1.5. bought out Holpe, signed him to one point five, and it's pretty much like all bonuses. So it's like, who cares? You you yeah. can't find an issue with it because it's also only a year long. If he so, if he if he hits all those bonuses, if he him, hits them, awesome. good for him. And, and that means he did really well. So who cares? And like, it shows that the Canucks are also thinking long term with the idea that hey, maybe Michael DiPietro actually competes for some games this season. Yes. And exactly. then next year we're we're open enough that we can get him in if he's actually ready, and we're not tied down like in an Anders Nielsen situation with Thatcher Demko when they were like, oh shit. This guy's actually going to be pissed off if we can't get him NHL games. We have to trade Nielsen while we still can. And then that led to the goalie disaster of 2018, 2019. But you know what's wild is Yaro Halak has been in the league long enough that he was drafted in the ninth round in a ninth round in 2003, which we do not have nine and we don't have nine rounds anymore. Well, very wild. And I, but you, I'm very excited to see him. I think he's going to do very well on, I think he's going to do pretty well under Ian Clark. I, again, he doesn't have to be amazing. He just has to be yeah. serviceable enough to come in and play, you know, about 30 games a year. Hopefully if they're using, if they're managing their goalies wisely here. And last, last year he played 19 out of 56. That's about in that ballpark. That's, that's 40% of your games base. That's more, that's yeah. close to 40% of your games. That's about where you want your backup to be. Maybe even someone's closer to 45. Like you bring in the, just a little bit up higher. That's what you want. You got, thir- they got 31 out of him the year before he had a nine nineteen against uh, in Boston in tw- 2019, 20. Yeah. Halak's always that, been like really, really good as a backup. Yeah. Like he is, he isn't dipped below nine. Uh, believe a nine Oh five was his last year was his worst year. Uh, since I, since 2013, that Damn. was his, that's very good. He is that's a, some consistency. Yeah. He's a very consistently good goaltender, especially when it comes to not like <laughs> you don't want him playing necessarily starting minutes. He's done it before many times and he's done. Okay. But you don't, he's not so such a sure bet for that many games that you want him playing that much. 
he is Fair a enough. perfect this is a perfect situation where theoretically if you're the Canucks he does have I think I believe he does have a uh a no move clause unless I'm mistaken uh which again one year that's fine like yeah. that's fine that's fine for a one year deal uh yeah. you know I don't know if it's a full no move or if it's um uh but at the very least like yeah there's a possibility that say you know DPHO comes in maybe he and maybe you can move him later for a return at the trade deadline, like and get some get a return there for someone else who wants him, like and give DPH yeah. the number two if that's how you want to go about it. There's right. this is a very this is a very this is a very good bet for them to make on Halak. And as somebody again who gets like I just get excited to see guys who like guys who I've known in the league as goaltenders come in and play in that in the Vancouver uniform. I'm I'm cool. I'm excited to see Yaro Halak after uh come in and uh uh, get his opportunity after that, you know, back in 2010 when he had that wild run where he just, uh, he won the, he beat the, he was, got the Slovakians, I believe, to the bronze medal game. Uh, and then uh, had the, and then had the cap, the game, that uh, first round against the Capitals where he single handedly just took them out in like the final three of that <laughs> series. Like the President's Trophy winning Capitals in 09, I think it was. He was incredible oh, that year. I would love to see that. I would love to see, uh, I'm, I'm very excited to see him in a Vancouver uniform. Well, before we get into the NHL's grand free agency day because we have some winners and some losers. We won't go over all 32 teams because no. that would just take for fucking ever. We'll go over some of the winners, some of the losers, whatever. But do we have by chance contract updates on Pedersen, Hughes or Dickinson? Can you report on that? Um, no, I can't. I can't. I mean, I can't report on that. I don't, my, my sources have been very quiet. Yeah. What um, are your French sources saying? So, so the thing with, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Uh, with like Patterson Hughes, obviously this is the biggest concern right now is that when the money, one of the things that aside, while all of the contracts assigned were very good, uh, for the Canucks in terms of like, you know, stocking the cupboard with uh decent, you know, cheap, low frill players to kind of uh, fill out the, the depth pool. Yeah. Um, they are now in a situation where they've only got $14 million in cap space. That is with, yeah. not just with like, if that, if it were just, Patterson and Hughes that they had left to sign it's still it's still hairy but it's not it's it's doable yeah. but you still have Oliu Levy who's not signed he's probably going to come at a cheap price tag anyway whatever yeah. Jason Dickinson is the one that's kind of throwing a wrench in here because he's probably worth a decent more amount uh that's going to he's going to worth an amount that's probably going to take up a take you closer to what 11 12 with 11 12 11 million dollars in cap space maybe even 10 like yeah. uh, it's 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 they're in a very precarious spot here um the one thing i wanted to bring up about it in terms of how we're looking at uh how some other people are looking at it um evolving hockey oh who, by the way shout out to them they just uh they just uh i believe announced that they're uh that they quit their day jobs and they're just yeah full time now, which is good for, them. good for them it's always exciting to see like uh people who put as much time into those passion projects, get the opportunity to make them their career. I always, I always get excited about that. I'm always happy oh, yeah. with people when that happens. Then they've been a huge resource, I think for this show, uh, for both you and I and our writing, like, yeah, they're great. They're great. They're great. Uh, they're great twins. Uh, they, um, they have their uh, contract projections um, that they put up every year. Um, what I do find interesting and worth noting here is that for, uh, for Quinn Hughes, they have him, Take it. They have him right now pegged at like a 
predicted predicting at like a six year deal worth about seven million seven million per. Uh, that's prop based on what we've seen in the defensive signings range lately. Uh, I don't think you're going to get that. I think that is a, like, like, I think that they're be, I think they're being a little bit generous on the Canucks side that that is what Hughes will take because I think you're seeing, I think, well, uh, I, I believe Kale McCarr, if I'm not mistaken, just signed for an eight by eight or something along those uh, lines. He, his was not, uh, it might've been close to that. It was very, it was a lot. It's all uh, Miro Heiskanen obviously signed for a lot of money. If you're Vancouver, I think right now, uh, and they uh, they also have Pedersen's contract. Before I actually, actually mention this, Pedersen, they have what is very interesting. They have him at only getting two years with a at just a share a shade under five million. Which I again, I think that's a little bit generous again to the to the management side, just based on what Pedersen brings. Yeah, um, but that might be end up, but I do think the term is kind of closer to what you're looking at here. You might end up being in a situation where it might be more in your best interest, especially because I think one of the things we've seen from the UFA market, this, uh, those, these last few days has been, if you can, if you need to get your defenseman locked up, if you have a general, like an elite defenseman, lock them up to the full, to as much money as you can for as much term as possible, as soon as you can. I think the Canucks might be in their best interest right now to focus a little bit more time quick on Hughes on getting him, um, just getting him on that eight year deal right now, that max amount of year um, of term for as much money as you can get, because that is going to be the harder negotiation to redo down the line versus a forward. You're going to have a much harder time getting Quinn Hughes to sign to a team, to uh, a relatively team friendly contract again, the second time around you're going to be paying out the wazoo for that extra extended amount of time i he also he strikes me as a flight risk too like he like if if either of him or Pedersen were going to walk when they're you know in that ufa range like it wouldn't be shocking to me if it was him interesting okay i i do kind of i think now i think a lot of people have the same agree with you i think a lot of people would agree with you on that and i think that's i think that's largely due to the fact that new jersey has now both of his brothers and i think a lot of people are like oh he's gonna want to go to new jersey uh i'm just gonna let's just let's not kid ourselves here uh uh who would you rather live in new jersey or vancouver come on like, <laughs> let, let's not be let's call a spade a spade here vancouver is the best i believe place to be, even i believe you're... new jersey's uh marketing uh they're like marketing uh for the city is just we're that close to new york or yeah, you can see well... new york from the harbor I, so, I've, I've watched the Futurama bits where they're like, oh, who who would have thought that robot hell would be here in New Jersey? Well, actually, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> like that's that's uh, but yeah, I'm be, I'm I'm obviously being a little facetious here. But yeah, with Hughes, I I think it's I think he's more of a flight risk in the in the idea that if you don't sign him, give him his due early enough and don't like if you give him his due, if you don't give him his due on this contract um he's going to go to the highest bidder the next time around whereas say if you give that eight by eight now you give him the you give him the all right we're believe that you're the number one guy this is our you're the you're the you're the rock of the franchise going forward in the blue line um as your team gets better he'll have more time to see the team improve around him suppose uh in theory 
and he in might theory, be more willing to come if they back. Actually and, he, can do and he might be willing to sign that second contract around after yeah. if you if you've improved you, enough, if you've improved in that in that eight year time. So I think it'd be better off served going for the going the full nine yards here now with Hughes, and then trying to give Pedersen as much money as you possibly can on a short term contract and renegotiating again once some of that cap space opens up again. Obviously, yeah. the one worry with that, with as always with Pedersen, is that well, every time they have cap space, they immediately use it to sign a Tucker Pullman. Uh, yes. So you have to hope <laughs> they don't do that again the next time around. But it will be a little easier because you'll only have to be worrying about the one guy rather than the two you're worrying about right now, the two generational guys that you're worrying about right now. So I think that's kind of where they should be looking at right now. Focus your attention on Hughes, get that contract done for as much as you can. And then try and see what you can get done with Pedersen afterwards. Because again, if uh, if an offer sheet comes through, like, and he again, assuming that he wants to sign it, you'll just, you might be in a bit of a in a problem in a crunch, but you'll just do it. You, you'll get that done anyway. So focus on that right now. Get Hughes done first. Uh, on that note, why don't we talk about some of the NHL free agency winners and losers? There were quite a lot more losers than winners as you would expect when $800 million exchanges hands uh, from ownership pockets into the hands of players, which we love to see, love to see uh, players getting their worth. But that also leads to some very funny situations in which some players maybe get paid a bit more too much. Some players take some players serious pay cuts paid on free agency. You shocking. It's shocking. a wild one. Uh, so I'll start us wild, off wild with West. a with a wiki wiki wild wild free agency weekend. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes say what you want about tanking and all that, but when you come away from an expansion draft, uh, another and then the entry draft and free agency, and you've got you know, sixteen million dollars in cap space, and you've only got four forwards and two defensemen signed next year. And you've got five second round picks and two first round picks in a loaded draft class. That's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, that's not bad. it's it sucks for like the actual Arizona Coyotes fans that have, you know, unfortunately had to put up with just mediocrity below mediocrity for the last 10, 11 years. Like th the last time they were in the playoffs, Mike Smith was carrying them on the defense, you know, like, yeah. It's been a long time right since Arizona has been relevant. Like it's just insane. They're they're. I, I could argue like, they've never been relevant, but this is true. Um, <laughs> it sucks because like I don't like their ownership group. After that uh, article from Katie Strang, where they yeah. like threatened to sue her just for doing her fucking job. No, so yeah, I, I was hate say are the management team. Yeah, yeah. Like I hate complimenting them, but like it's like it's hard to just be like oh well what they did wasn't good because it really was good i just hate that i'm extending a compliment to people that are just shitty so i won't say speak anymore so lachlan your pick I, for a good or bad of so the weekend what's interesting about the coyotes uh before i make any other choices uh is I kind of had like if we we're doing like a Venn diagram of like the winners and losers of the, the of free agency, I yeah. would literally have the co Coyotes in that smack dab in the middle. Like I'd have them right there. They would be the middle. Yeah, of they're, that Venn diagram they're like a bit of both because, because yeah, their team's they, gonna suck so bad. Right, and like 
here's and this is the this is the most important part here for me anyway it's like yeah they've done a great job at actually acknowledging hey we're not that good we're not good enough to really be even on the cusp let's just sell everything get as much recoup as much assets as we can and start sort of fresh not not as necessarily fresh enough enough because like they still have clayton keller they still have jacob chikrin they still have very decent pieces here but they've also sold off a lot my biggest issue with them is the fact that if there's any team that kind of needs to win now, it's the Coyotes. And it because yeah. uh, in terms of like in terms of, hey, you know what? Uh, you, like this team has struggled at the box office for a long time. I feel like you're kind of on the clock here to start winning some things <laughs> before, before you end up having to move to Houston or something because people yeah. have gotten tired of supporting a team that literally keeps rebuilding and restarting over again every like four years. Like you can't, you, you can't have a sustainable fan base that way. You're not going to win. You're not going to win over the hearts of people. If literally every time you even get close to kind of being <laughs> decent, you're like, okay, fire sale start again. Like you can't do that. You can't have that. I, I completely understand that. Um, I will like say Ottawa or Edmonton where they have like the benefit of being in a market that's so hockey crazy that they'll get as much time as they want to get it right more or less. Sure. I, I will just say though, even if they invest all this money in a rebuild and it fails, then that means their shithead ownership group wasted all their money for the last few years. And that rocks. So if they can't win now and they try and rebuild and they still can't win, don't care because sure. it's a shitty person wasted millions of dollars. So it's sure. a win-win for us. Um, okay. So then your okay. choice can be, you know, winner or loser. It doesn't matter. Just a team that stood out for you. Um, A team that stood out for me. Um, I think I got, I got, I got to give props to, uh, I got to give props to, uh, to Florida. I think they did. Okay. Like they didn't do a lot. Huh? I think they're kind of, they're in a situation where I think um, they, you know, they're very much in a stay the course kind of mode. They don't need to do much. They just kind of need to manage what they've got and let it, and let it keep growing and kind of keep that like, and kind of keep again, like last year, they won out really well with Carter Verhage, who now I think got his big payday this time around. But overall they've, they're, they're, they have a group that's more or less just, you know, they're, they're, they're waiting to see what can happen as they get and not taking too many crazy bets on anybody. Um, and they got, they, they've since added, I believe, uh, uh, Sam Reinhardt from the Sabres, which is a bit of an interesting one. We'll see how that goes. Um, but okay, so I, they now have all three of the top three picks from that year. Ekblad, Reinhardt, and Bennett. They got all three. They, they got what they wanted at the end of the day, but they're a very good, they're a team that won the, divi- or did they win? No, they were second in their division last year. I always forget if, if yeah. Carolina won. They're a team that is so close. They lost Chris Drager. That sucks, but they have Spencer Knight coming. They're they're in a position where I think they're going to be just as good as they were last year, if not a little bit better, just from people getting a step up. Like Sam Bennett was weirdly good. Like when he got to when he got to Florida, he was very good. He, par- he parlayed ten really good games into a four million dollar a year extension. Bit of, I mean, a risk, yeah. bit of a risk on that bit one. Bit of a gamble, but... Yeah, Florida's, I mean, got hey. money to, Florida's got cap space to burn, so might as well. Yeah, fair. Like, they're, they could be... I think they're going to take another step forward this year. I think what you saw from them last year was just the start. I think, again, provided that they manage their goaltending well uh, and give Spencer Knight 
the lion's share of the work compared to Sergei Bobrovsky. And at the very least, give Bobrovsky opportunities to try and re return to the form he, he once was at. I think right. you could see this team take that step forward and finally get past that first round, exercise that first round demon. I think they're a pretty good winner here. Uh, okay, I'm going to pick a, a loser yes. because it's fun to be negative. They're the more and, they're, the losers are the more fun ones to talk about in this in, in this scenario, aren't they? I hate to do this to you because of your fandom or former fandom. It oh, might have changed. No, yeah, no, that no, that might be no. out the window. I know what you're coming up to. They're gone. The Carolina Hurricanes. Um, after walking away from Alex Nedeljkovic, who was a Calder nominated or Calder contender, I should say, uh, goaltender, they then. Also lost Petr Mrazek to the Toronto Maple Leafs in free agency and downgraded, in my opinion, to Freddie Anderson and Antiranta. That, I mean, we're, we talked so much about the betting that the Canucks are doing, but it's not betting. They believe that these guys are the next tandem of the future. Seemed weird to walk away from a guy who might be like the, a goalie of the future in Nedeljkovic, but I guess they didn't think he... It was long. It was set for long-term success. It might have been a fluke, but on top of that, they signed Tony D'Angelo to a one-year, one million dollar contract, and that followed trading Warren Fogle for Ethan Bear. We'll get into the other losers of the of the free agency day. Yeah, who else? Yeah, Oilers. But yeah, just all in all. I don't know what the fuck Carolina is doing with this off season. It's, no idea. I, I can't tell if they're trying to tank. I can't tell if they legitimately oh, think they're not trying to tank. I know that much there. I see. It just good. seems they like they're, they're trying better. to cheap out or something. They went, well, supposedly they're in win now mode, which some which of their, which I see, I see kind of where that idea comes from, from them, but also no, I don't. Uh, well, Okay. <laughs> I will say with Peter Morazic, well, you mentioned Peter Morazic. That one, I was that one, he's a bit of an injury risk. I'm kind of, I think, in from a hockey standpoint, that was kind of the right decision for them to move on from uh, Morazic. I don't know why they then went to Freddie Anderson because I don't, I, th I think Anderson, like apples, apples to orange, like apples to apples here. I think they're, I think Anderson is in theory the better goalie that then a better goalie than Morazic on a game to game basis. It's a little bit more of the down the stretch. Are they, are they, is he as good? That might right. be up for debate. Um, Auntie Ranta is another case of a goaltender who is very good when he's healthy, yeah. uh, like Morazic, but also very injury prone. So I think you run a, you run a risk there. Um, and again, the fact that they gave up Nadelkovich and to see, yeah, that and that's the rub for me is that I think giving up, I think going with Anderson and Ranta uh, instead of keeping Nadelkovich and signing one of those two was mm -hmm. a clear error, it was a clear yeah. mistake. Um, but at the end of the day, none of that stuff really matters because yeah. the Tony D'Angelo thing. Yeah. They signed like, Tony D, so it's like, who cares? If they suck, good. If they, uh, yeah. I I'm not going to say much about it because I think we all know that that's a very, that was a yeah. clearly there, stupid thing for them to do. There was a lot of great written pieces in the athletic, uh, by Sarah Sivian, by I think Katie Strang even wrote something too. Rachel but just Dory like, wrote a great article. Yeah, Rachel Dory had a great piece. Plus like a couple just, other things that happened that we talked about. In the, on the last yeah. Show. Basically just talking about how, like how much goodwill the Canes had built up over the last few seasons, just 
to try and like make it seem like a team that was for everybody and then just yeah. throwing it away on a $1 million player. Throwing it away just on for a, a couple, for maybe, for what, maybe a win or two more, if that, if even that, he's not that good to begin with, really. Yeah. Like, whatever. Like, yeah, I don't cool. like it. Well, we're, we're, I am, I am very sad, and uh, I don't know how yeah, often you'll sorry, see buddy. me wearing those Hurricane shirts anytime soon. I will uh, say the bunch of jerks is actually appropriate now. It so, is very uh, appropriate now. One. Yeah, it's not. It's no longer ironic. It's just real. Like, oh well, tough, uh, tough uh, milkshake duck moment for the hurricanes. Oh well, uh, they're they're dead to me now. Goodbye. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, Sarah <okay>. Sivian. <laughs> Your choice, uh, winner or a loser? Um, loser. Let's go with Edmonton. Let's just start with Edmonton. Yeah, uh, like Zach Hyman, <laughs> like is a very as we mentioned on the la- when I believe when we were talking about the idea that the Canucks were interested in Zach Hyman for a bit. Yeah, serviceable guy, very good. He is objectively a good hockey player and a top and like a maybe. Well, I don't maybe at the very least can play with top winger with top players. Like yeah, he's, he's a guy a that can move up and down the lineup and be effective pretty much everywhere when he's, he's a bit of a healthy. JT Miller. He's a bit of a JT Miller. Like he's yeah. uh, not he's nearly not, as good, but not he. Well, uh, he's pretty good. He's pretty good. Like, he's but not, not JT good. Miller. That's what I'm saying. Maybe not JT Miller. Yeah, maybe. Uh, but and at the very and at the very least, but like can yeah make, can play with different players and can complement good pieces, which you do yeah. need, which you do need. But they're about to pay, but they're paying him in term and cap hit like he's a star, which is yeah. a, because Edmonton can't get out of their own way. And speaking um, of like old, like he is not young, so they're going to be paying he's like 27, 28? I think he's not? twenty eight. Okay. And so they're paying him five and a half million dollars for seven years. It's too rich. It's too rich for my blood. And I think it's too rich for most people's blood. It's not a yeah. good call. It's it's Which, a, <laughs> it's a it's a huge it's gonna that's gonna backfire very quickly. And then you throw in the fact that they also signed Cody CC, who's not good. Yeah, they do want two years or sorry, term and dollar amount, four years at three point two five. They gave up they, Ethan Bear, who was good. <sighs> Then they re up Tyson Berry three years at four point five. Tyson Berry, good power play guy, still uh, not a great, not great. He'll always great be a yeah. top producer so long. As, like it doesn't matter if it's Tyson Berry. You throw any defenseman on that first power play unit with friggin' McDavid and Drysaddle, you're going to lead the league in points. It doesn't matter that yeah. it's Berry. Berry would be fine if they didn't also put, have put Brad Hunt on there and Cody CC and all the other guys. And then, yeah, Hinter, right. Like that's the, that's more the problem is the fact that Tyson Berry is one of many guys who is not great in his own end, who yeah. is good, better in his own end in the other end of the ice than the other guys. But yeah. still it's a pro it's the compounding of the issues yeah. really. But, and then the fact that they have decided once again to go with Mike Smith again, for two uh, years goal. again he's 30 guys i cannot 39. stress enough. he's 39 years old and they just gave him a two-year contract that'll see him till he's 41 are you yeah out of your mind like in what universe like i get that he was fine like i get that he wasn't the problem the reason they got swept by winnipeg yeah. at all like clearly he was he did his bet he quite literally was the only i think one of the few players that actually showed up like he was fine but he's still a 39-year-old goaltender. Why? There are plenty of good goalies available for you to go out and get. Why didn't you try to get any of them? Why? Uh, it's a good thinking? question, right? Like there was tons of goalies available at the expansion draft, at the, the deadline. Like 
draft. It, oh, really baffling, really. And they traded out of their spot, so another team could tra- to draft. So the Wild could pick yeah. a goalie. And One of the top could, goalies that fell in the draft. Like this, the, he was the like he was the first ranked goalie that somehow wasn't taken by um, Buffalo or whoever it was that took him with 15th overall or Detroit or whoever. So it was like someone else could have used him. Like, yeah, but they just yeah. didn't take him. I don't know. Uh, it, it, there is nothing about this. Gr- there is nothing that the, the Oilers spent this draft trying to go all in and somehow making themselves worse. Like they very clearly have made themselves worse. They yeah. do have Warren Fogle who could be okay. They, they still have to sign y- Kaylor Yamamoto, but like, yeah. n- nope, that's not going to move the needle in terms of uh, how, what, that's not going to change the, 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 the first round exit. That's going to, if anything, make it harder for you if to they get, get there. into the playoffs now. They're yeah. they're not there. They're not there. Maybe no. Zach Hyman helps a little bit contributing in the early going, but uh, that contract's going to age like milk. It's not yeah. going to go well. Um, low key winner for me, New Jersey. They really? they're they've still got a lot to do because they're still kind of in this awkward like we're rebuilding. We are still like kind of pseudo in a tank mode. But Dougie Hamilton, that's a good pickup. Uh, Jonathan Bernier, two years. It's a low amount. That's a decent enough pickup. Their goaltending has been like a complete mess pretty much since Broder left. Um, yeah, and a lot of that's to the fact that Corey Schneider got very uh, – had a lot of injury issues. Keith, well, uh, also, when they picked yeah. up Schneider, they still had Broder and were relying on him to play 70 games a season. So it was like they had Schneider in his prime and didn't play him. So it was like a huge waste of like Schneider's prime. They, they got have, nothing out of either. They do have Mackenzie Blackwood now, who's supposed to be yeah. who's very good. Who's a very yeah. good goalie. Um, but yeah, when you're finishing the expansion draft, the entry draft, and the free agency day, and you have 22 mil in cap space, and you're not they're not really cap committed that heavily to any forwards. Like they got rid of pretty much every single one of them. Like they're pretty well set up to rebuild from scratch. So like they're, they're on the way up. So like just for like not doing anything too brash, I commend them for coming away with this with like a really good defenseman, uh, a decent enough backup to Blackwood as he comes along and fuck loads of cap space in a year when you probably want to weaponize that for draft picks because the 2022 draft is loaded. So if you're somehow flipping cap space for picks midway through the next season, you're you're in a good spot. That uh, was, Lachlan, that uh, was kind of the interesting thing for me is I was kind of like, why did they, I, I, for me, my, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to say this is a loser necessarily, but I was kind of like Dougie Hamilton. Why would you like, why would Dougie Hamilton sign long-term in New Jersey? Like that kind of felt like that was odd to me. Like, maybe, I feel like he could have gone other places. He could have gotten that same deal from other places that might've had, more upside that was kind of an odd i feel like his his free agency choice is a little odd in my it was a bit odd i wonder if they tried to sell him on like hey we're gonna have you know jack hughes Hughes, we're gonna have luke hughes Mm -hmm. we're gonna have alexander holtz like we have a bunch of really dynamic young people coming into the system pretty soon and we want you to be kind of the leader that you know carries us along the way we've got really good culture here with like you know pk suban damon severson on the right side like their right side is pretty good even though like suban's like completely washed but there's enough young pieces there where like i could see them trying to sell like the 
captaincy type angle to him. Like you'll be the most relied upon leader here and you're yeah. probably going to be shepherding Luke Hughes along. So maybe that's yeah, maybe what sold it for him. Um, yeah, just kind of okay. an interesting one. Um, I guess if I were going to pick a winner, uh, another winner here, um, sure. um, there's some, there's some interesting options or did we go or yeah, we went or sorry. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, there's a couple, there's a couple interesting options in here. I think, um, Mm, I, I don't know. I, I would say couple. when when you look at like the like the breadth of work done by all the teams, I would still like in spite of the the Pullman and the Hammonick deals, I would still technically call the Canucks a winner at this free agency yeah, just for the okay. scope of work accomplished. Like he, yeah, he they they completely goofed. They they made they did what they do every year where they make a critical a very critical bad error yes uh, in 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 a couple of countries but this time around the good outweighs the bad like yeah. there are a lot there's a lot to like about what the Canucks yeah, did I this see year. like Bill DiGiuseppe is a nice is a nice pickup in yeah, terms like, of like what he can do at both for at the AHL level and the NHL level I like I like that pickup as well like there's a lot of good there's a lot of good they did yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, the aside from that, though, like there really wasn't too many winners. I don't think like after New I'm, Jersey, like there is like I'm missing one for sure. Like, I feel like there is like a couple other Tampa. Um, oh, Tampa three. Bay. I mean, trading that's, Brent Seabrook's contract or trading Tyler Johnson in the second for Brent Seabrook's contract so that they'll still be cap compliant is just like you got to tip the cap to Julian Breezebois for managing to pull that off. Uh what on top of that, what about the Kings as a winner? And I guess we could kind yeah. of use that at the very least to segue into the fact that hey, um, Alex Edler is now an LA King. Yeah, we'll like, close. Uh, we'll close with the Edler thing. So, the Kings, I think, had a pretty decent. They, it was quiet. They did pick up Phil Denault to a pretty you, big needed, contract. A little which bit, a little, probably a is little a bit. lot for a guy a whose bit. thing is I don't score, but I prevent scoring really well. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a, you want him on the on your team as a defensive center, yeah. but like it's a pretty big contract. But on right. top of that, there's the Victor Arvidsson pickup. There's the fact that their prospect pool has like 77 players on it. You know uh, what they did? They didn't go nuts, and that was yeah, what they exactly. Needed to do. They, they didn't need they to. Did and they not... didn't feel inclined to do something they... drastic. They didn't try and immediately ramp up uh, knowing that the Pacific's going to be comp- probably not very good this year. Yeah. And they'll honestly pro- probably get rewarded for it anyway because they, they, they're they very easily, as a younger group, a decent team. Like, they're not – like, they are they could very easily – I could easily see them challenging for, like, the third spot or, like, the four, or fourth right it now. could be like it could be like an ottawa senator season last year in the north division where like as the w- season was winding down all their young prospects were just like turning it on and like playing really fucking well like it could be that kind of situation where I they have the no right to, to win games I think it, they, they did but they the they still struggled yeah they struggled like growing pains for sure, but they weren't, but like, I think they won a lot more games down the stretch than they were expected to as well. And they started so, really good too. I believe they started very well. Yeah. Um, I could very much see a situation where they, yeah, they end up with a playoff spot just by not rushing themselves and not <laughs> trying to go all in on it. Just being like that yeah, they're, they are the team that should be going. Let's see if we can make the playoffs and see how things go from there. Kind of thing. We, they're kind of in that spot. We've joked about this multiple times on this podcast, but 
what would you do if the Kings won a cup after rebuilding for three years before would, the Canucks even got to playoffs well, consistently? Well, I'd probably, <laughs> I'd probably cry. For Just about stop watching months. hockey. And no, I need it too much. I'm too addicted <laughs> at this point. I'm I'm too, I'm too I'm too involved. You'd pick two brand new teams to be your teams and just pretend you'd never watch the Canucks. Uh, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I, I hate the Canucks, but then I'd yeah. be watching them. The entire I was time. always a Seattle fan. What? Oh yeah. Okay. So, yeah, so speaking uh, of Seattle, I don't know what the fuck they're doing, dude. Their expansion draft. We questioned that in our expansion draft summary episode. What? What? weren't really too sure what they were doing with the direction. They had a ton of cap space and we figured there there's got to be a bigger plan afoot. Instead on free agency day, they signed Philip Grubauer to a six year, $5.9 million contract. Jaden Schwartz to a five year, $5.5 million contract. Alex Wenberg to a three year, $4.5 million contract. And then they traded Vitek Vanacek back to Washington for a second round pick. I have no clue what the fuck their whole expansion draft plan was miss. Oh yeah. Missing from my notes, but they picked Gavin Bay rather Bayliner, the boat from uh, Columbus blue jackets. And then they let him resign in Columbus. So a part Wait, of me is like, I didn't even notice that. Wait, as yes. an RFA? like is an RFA or uh, he, he like- was, uh, I think he was a, U like one of those G six UFAs, but yeah, they picked him up and then let him go. And so it's like, what? Where I was the strategy? That. Yeah, you got to check it out. It's, oh a, it's so God. embarrassing. It's like, what, what were you, you doing? Then? Why did you what? pick him? Like Alex Wenberg, was, wasn't he just bought out by the Florida Panthers too? Who, so who you saw, Wenberg? yeah, he was bought out. Wenberg, so. got, Wenberg got too much money from the last Panther regime. It's not so, he's actually, Wenberg is yeah, actually but, okay, but he got But they signed him to a contract that is like a million dollars cheaper. That's it. Mm, yeah. so why wouldn't you have just traded for him uh well now you don't have to the, or been like yeah. hey we'll take wenberg off your hand so you don't buy him out but we Did also want out? someone else i don't know interesting but it's like uh I they came away they came away from the expansion draft with like 23 or 30 million dollars 29 million in cap space and instead of using that to really hammer in the team they were trying to build. They just signed a bunch of dog shit contracts. So it's like, they didn't even, yeah, they didn't weaponize their cap space. They didn't weaponize it. And they wanted very well. They're just another team. Yeah. They're not that good. No, like I, how much, why they, uh, I, at least we know why they trade, why they picked up Curtis McDermott now. Cause they did move him, I believe to <laughs> Colorado. Bro, it's, it's something it's some, it's more than I thought you would get for Curtis McDermott. Um, sure. But, and here's the thing. Grubauer is the one contract that I'm like, eh, I see what, like, I, I, I don't hate it. It's kind of a, it's, it's weird. It's the March because contract. They, Cause he's oh, 20, yeah. he's 29. He's twenty, but he's a good goalie. But like, sure, he's a good goalie. He doesn't get necessarily always his due. On but you like, signed Chris Dreger, so you're spending nine that, million dollars in gold. That's where it gets. Weird. So why is why did they sign him? Why did they? Well, why did they not pick up? Why did they pick up Vitek Vanacek just to flip him? Why back to the team that he was already on? Why like? It's just a bit. It's just. Yeah, all it's weird. all just a. Like, it's all odd. It's all just a big why. But why? What were you doing? What were what you are, like, like? There, there's no semblance of a of roster construction here. This is this is hodgepodge. This is you just know how many throwing it at the wall and seeing what sticks. Let's I, go. I had so many tweets being like, 
uh, the Seattle Kraken invested hundreds of thousand dollars into a analytics staff just to assemble this. And I thought like, okay, I'm going to eat so much crow when they like, you know, pick up Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gordon, Andre Palat so that they don't take uh, Eric Cernak or something, but Nope. They, they got nothing. They, I, I, I do not know, know what the Gavin Bayer other thing is very funny. The Gavin Bayer other thing is just no like, no really idea. Funny. That's how that, that they just let him immediately walk back. Like the blue jackets yeah. had pieces that you could have taken. That might've been okay. Why? Well, that's Why the would thing, you just... like watching, watching some of the trades that are happening now too. It's like Tyler Johnson gets flipped alongside a second for Seabrook. And it's like, what, why weren't you like in on that? Like Tyler Johnson's like overpaid, but do do you really think he's not worth five something five point five million dollars? And but Jaden Schwartz is. Yeah. Like, why would you commit to longer dollars being spent over five years with Jaden Schwartz than we when you could have taken a pick to take Tyler Johnson off of their hands yeah. at for less years? Yeah. I don't know. It's. It's insane. It's, it's they're, a bit baffling. They're probably like my biggest loser from the free agency day. Wow. Because of their signings and because it underscores just the opportunity lost by their management group on like what they could have picked up in the ensuing days. Like Tampa Bay traded Mitchell Stevens for a sixth round pick. And Mitchell Stevens is probably like a third line forward on like a bad team. So yeah. you could probably get him for like nothing if you're Seattle. But no, nothing. I will say Craziness. the group the Grubauer uh contract does segue into one of my other losers of this year, which is Colorado. Like yes. okay. They okay. gave Gabriel Landiscog the seven million, which was good. Like sure, like a bit, sure. a bit, a bit pricey, but still, whatever. He's part of your core that won a president's trophy last year. Yeah. I I I get that. But then the fact that they just let Grubauer go at all is weird to me. Not because not because, again, Grubauer is necessarily the best goalie in the world or anything, but they don't really have anyone else good, like any other options coming. Like, it's not like with the Canucks, when they let Markstrom go, they knew Thatcher Demko was coming. And yeah. then then Mike DiPietro. The, the, the Avalanche have Pavel Francouz, who's good by all accounts, but like not necessarily a world a world beater from what I've seen. Out yeah. Of but after that, that's it. They don't have anything. They don't have. They have Trent Miner coming, maybe down the line. But that's years down the road. Yeah, that's not any time. You're not soon. banking on him when to win you playoff games in the next two years. No, they added Darcy Kemper for cheap. I don't. I like, and I like Darcy Kemper, and I've maintained for a long time that he's a very that he is extremely underrated for what his value was to the Coyotes for those when he's healthy. Uh, yes, exactly. When he's healthy. Darcy Kemper has injury has injury issues. Yeah, I think they're running a, and so does Pavel Francouz for that matter. Let's not forget the bubble year where they ended up having where they ended up losing in Game Seven to Dallas because they had to run Michael Hutchison for the last two of those <laughs> yeah. games because they literally ran out of goalies. Like classic. This is they have they have not they have not stabilized their goaltending, and I think the biggest problem is that with is that if they really want to stabilize it, there's out. If it was either sign, re-sign Grubauer or make a probably losing trade to get a stable, to get stable goaltending that ends up hurting your, your, your team's uh, potential more than it helps it just because of what you're losing out of it. Um, I would have just bit the bullet and given 
Grubauer the money he wanted because frankly you're you weren't gonna find a better option and now I feel like they're drastically uh hurt their chances of potentially going farther in the playoffs like I don't see this team as a contender as much anymore just because I feel like their goaltending is is very shaky just not yeah. again not based on their skill based on their ability to stay healthy yeah agreed um yeah it's just a, it was a strange free agency for like good teams and like a bad bad free agency for bad teams like just all in all like like the winners won because of little things they didn't win because of big moves i mean no one ever really does win because of the big moves but no. say la vie but before we close out uh with this episode oh. of the crease cast we do need to talk about can i can i put two more uh before we go can i put in two more losers into the bracket as well very quickly no oh damn it <laughs> no I'm okay uh two i got two okay. the rangers as well oh yeah went like okay <laughs> Tom Wilson on the ice is terrible in every way, shape, or form, but I will give him credit. The watch the Rangers have, have literally imploded entirely because of him. And I admire the Rangers for I admire the Rangers for committing to the bit. Like you thought it was over when they went for Goudreau and uh, something else, and then it was Goudreau, like, oh, we're also Ryan gonna Reeves. get Ryan Reeves. Was like, like, oh what, like I have no clue what they're doing. This is like they've Chris or Chris Drury uh, is over. I'm pretty sure is in over his head. Like this is uh, this is wild. Some Especially when you couple it with like a lot of people that were like their draft in general wasn't that great either. Was, You're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they have, not, they have not helped themselves here. And then no. the other one, this is kind of this might be a little controversial just because of <laughs> the because uh, they actually did okay on some of their returns this year, actually. They've actually done decently. Uh, but I'm going to throw Buffalo in there specifically because uh, right as we're in the middle of while we've been recording, there was a, a statement came out from the agents of from his agents. Uh, this is this quote. Uh, the process is not working. As previously stated, we fully anticipated a trade by the start of the NHL free agency period. After the agreed-upon and prescribed period for conservative rehabilitation lapsed in early June 2021, it was determined by the Sabres medical staff that a surgical procedure was required. The recommendation by Jack's independent neurosurgeon, other spine specialists consulted, and the surgery Jack feels most comfortable having in order to correct a herniated disc in his neck is to proceed with artificial disc replacement surgery. A further point of concern is that our camp was initially under the impression that the Sabres specialist was in agreement with the artificial disc replacement surgery until that was no longer the case. What is being left out of the discussion is that Jack would be able to play in the NHL for the start of the season pending medical clearance if he were allowed to have the surgery he desires even as of this date. Repeated requests have been made to the Sabres since early June to no avail. This process is <laughs> stopping Jack from playing in the NHL and it is not working. Jesus uh, Christ. They're in a, so the Sabres are doing a terrible job at managing the Eichel thing. They're doing... They did okay. That'll help with, us trade value. Yeah, uh, yes, it <laughs> what will. What the fuck? Yeah, well, they've, well, yeah, they've, it's, they've, the Sabres, I mean, the Sabres botched this entirely on their own. They've done, again, yeah. I feel kind of, I feel somewhat bad because they've actually done okay in terms of like, yeah. again, getting a first rounder for Rasmus Ristolainen is incredible. Good for them. They haven't been, they've actually won a few trades and a few deals of late that have, made them a little better that have definitely made them better uh they need to still move jack eichel it is clearly over 
And they haven't done that yet. And now the agents are literally coming out saying, hey, we have had very – the Sabres are not communicating with us in any way, shape, or form. And now Jack Eichel might miss the start of the season regardless of who he's playing for because they have – the Sabres have done such a, a crap <laughs> of managing – their their second overall pick guy who was like like the the face of the franchise up until this summer this season like good lord i've actually seen some of the things where they like interviews where people ask kevin adams about jack eichel and he literally makes it like super clear that he has not checked in once in the last like month like in the last like since the season ended he has not even not even asked like he like and that's not me resuming that's him literally going basically literally basically saying it in every way possible that nope i haven't checked up i don't care like i haven't checked on what he's doing it's <laughs> wild it is wild that they're handling what should be a huge trade for them like such a major trade for them this badly holy cow well i mean they were obviously waiting for like the right deal but it really doesn't help when you're <laughs> the agents of the player you're trying to sign are just like oh, yeah. plummeting his trade value for somebody them. somebody just put it the sabers were holding eichel's medical records hostage until a team presented an offer significant enough that buffalo felt they were serious about the trade friedman's friedman meaning elliot friedman has said this yeah. multiple times in his podcast eichel's team just blew that leverage out of the no water shit. <laughs> it damn. is gone there it goes okay Whoopsie. well i mean hey it'll if it gets a move like Frankly, they should because it it'll get them move faster at this point. Like, yeah, what are you and do? Uh, we what are want you to do. Te- we're Team Chaos, and that's what we want. So I get it. What are you gonna? Uh, uh, so look forward. To, I look forward to seeing him in a Vegas Golden Knights uniform next year. I agree. <laughs> yeah. uh, last one, obviously, got to pour one out for uh, a leaving legend, Alex Edler. He signed uh, in L.A. of all places on a one-year, three-point-five million-dollar contract. He he basically pulled uh, Nate Schmidt and was like, "Yeah, I'm good. I, I'm done playing in Vancouver." So so did Holtby. He was like, "Yeah, yeah. buy me out. I I don't want to wait till the second buyout window. Get me the fuck out." He literally took like a third string goalie position in Dallas to get the fuck out. Brogan Rafferty's agent was like, "I'm not even bothering to talk to the Canucks. Just get me this anywhere else," which is awesome. Sven <laughs> Berchi got a second chance. Uh, that's, oh, that's cool too. Right. That got, that's wonderful. Best of luck I'm, to him. I'm, I'm so happy. I'm very yeah. happy for Sven Berchi, and I, I noticed agree. that most people in Vancouver, Mo- literally were everybody very except happy. for like the shitty people that were like, "He always suck." Those people can fucking suck a fat one. Good for good for good for Sven. good for him, and I hope he on. scores I hope a. It, I hope it works for him. Like I, I genuinely hope it works for him. Yeah. Uh, provided that he promises not to score any goals against the Canucks, because we can't. Oh no, I hope he does score hundreds. I, I hope he gets a hat trick in this one I game. I cannot have, yeah, I cannot have them pulling a Tyler Toffoli. No, thank you. Please, don't. that'd be great. I would really not like that. Thank you. If he like goes to the Knights and he becomes a thirty goal scorer in the season, that'd be amazing. Um, but yeah, anyways, back to Alex Edler. He's uh finally done the longest tenured Canuck, uh, highest scoring, lot most games played. Literally, like a like a Ring of Honor or at least a retired number candidate. I'm not too sure which one. Ring of like, Honor. I would say Ring of Honor. Ring I of think. Honor for sure. Like so, one of the yeah. best defensemen the Canucks have ever had. Yeah. No one's the, gonna the best. The best defense. Literally the is, best. Like you could frankly write a like 
you could write an entire article on just like why, like Alex Edler on, you know, in most cases, probably on most other teams, would he maybe be the considered the best defenseman of all time? Probably yeah. not. But in terms of Vancouver, they've, they've very much struggled to find defensemen who can stay for as long and be as service as serviceable and as important and integral to the team for mm-hmm. as long a period as uh, Alex Edler has been as yeah. Alexander has been like you go back to the 94 team like none of those guys really were there for very long after yeah. the 94 team or even before it like there's just not that was and the 2011 team like Edler was one of them and then uh, Christian Erhoff might have been uh, if he had stayed like he might have been that he might have been but uh, we'll never know Edler yeah. was the Edler and then Tanev to a lesser degree they were yeah. big parts of that and Edler it's 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 sad I know a lot of people are thrilled to see him go based on you know last year and like which is so dumb on, well okay yeah it is like we're i get it in the if, sense a, like I, if you if you thought the canucks were going to re-sign him to another 60 million dollar contract like yes. sure but they were never going to do that yeah not I at his thought, age i really expected him to retire uh a vancouver canuck in every so did i form. so to see him move on in this way and where it seems like it's ending so bitterly between them is yeah, very sad. That sucks. It's really, really sad. Um, and I am, I'm, I'm happy that he's going to go somewhere that he's going to be happy. Hopefully in LA, he's going to be happy yeah. there. Um, and yeah, like you mentioned, uh, post, like as far as what his post career life holds, uh, you hope, yeah, Ring of Honor would be perfect. I don't think, I think retired number you got to hold for like the elite of the elite kind of thing. Yeah. Like Edler was never. Edler was never like the number one defenseman in the NHL or anything by any stretch. No, but he was always the number one. He was in always, incre- and number- <laughs> but he was always like Mister Reliable. He was always like, like a fantastic defensive defenseman, but also like, like underrated in his ability to just like consistently produce season after season. Right. And obviously he fell off because that wear and tear after twenty whatever or nineteen years of being. How many? However many years it is, twenty or ten? I don't. <laughs> I it's track stats for a living. <laughs> yeah, sixteen or seventeen years, whatever the fuck it is. It's a long ass time to be the 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 shutdown guy for the Vancouver Canucks, especially one that's been as porous defensively as the Canucks have been over the last seven years. So, yeah, maybe when he retires in like a couple of years, and if Quinn Hughes moves on, and it's quite clear cut that there isn't going to be a defenseman like him that stays I, as long I, as him. I don't think that's how. I think Quinn Hughes is the. I I gotta hope Quinn Hughes is going to be here forever. I mean, Edler is the best defenseman. I mean, Edler is the best defenseman as long as Quinn Hughes as until Quinn Hughes takes it. Like that's just how it's going to go. Like that's fair. how it is. Yeah, that's completely fair. I just don't think. I mean, Hughes might have the next don't step. You, yeah, don't you he might have, say it. How dare you? I'm just going to say, Hughes is incredible offensively, and in his rookie year, he looked incredibly well defensively. And then last year, it was like he just forgot how to play defense. I, 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 yeah, I, don't, I, I don't think I'm that. Hoping I, think that's it the, comes, I think that's the outlier. So I'm hoping he bounces back, and he's I'd a great s- two-way defender again. The team needs him if- to be. Yeah, I'd be stunned if that was the if that was the the norm rather than the outlier. Yeah. I think you're. I think you're good. I think we're good on that one, honestly. Yeah. Like, I'm, but I'm you are correct that it's that. it's basically like Quinn Hughes's mantle to take up at this yeah. point. So, otherwise, Alex Edler, we've poured one out for you, buddy. You know, respect. 
real respect real uh there's a lot of people out there that were like mad that his plus minus over his career was low and it's like are you fucking kidding me the guy played almost a thousand games for the canucks and was one of their most stable players but you're mad because his plus minus was bad one year like fuck off Uh, anyway it's it's just recency bias but at the end end of the day it's like with it's like with luongo and it's like with beret to a certain degree where in the immediate aftermath people are up people aren't as high on the players they were because they saw them at their very lowest in the in the franchises in his time with the franchise i think as we move on as time goes along and frankly i think the the minute he comes back to rogers arena for that first game back with la when they play the video tribute for him and he gets the standing ovation from an actual crowd uh this time around uh and then scores his 100th career goal uh, I think it's, I think, I think that will very quickly disappear. And I think you're going to see people welcome him back in a few years with, uh, with very open arms uh, <laughs> when he calls it, a, when he calls it a career. What if he like resigns like again afterwards, like in the, for the Canucks, uh, like one be, year, 750 K just to get like his like hundredth goal. Kinda- I feel like that's just asking what if like that's you might as well just ask what if he becomes Nicholas Lidstrom. I don't think that's happening. I no, think you're I think you're good here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh on that note, folks, thank you so much for listening to this absolute unit of an episode. Hopefully we can record an emergency podcast where we get to talk about Elias Pedersen and Quinn Hughes' new contracts. But that might not be happening, but otherwise. Thanks for tuning into this one. We've got our podcast on Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, all sorts of podcasting platforms. There's also our YouTube channel where you can like, subscribe, comment on all our content in video format. You see my disgusting hair that I've got just flowing in the wind right now. It's absolutely atrocious. Then there's our Patreon as well. We have $1 and $5 tiers. Lachlan's always putting out exclusive content for you, the readers, to find out. And we should be having episodes on there shortly where we talk about random shit. Uh, I am always Cody Sievertson. You can follow me at Cody Sievertson on Twitter and my website, commentsharvest.com. I might write something. I don't know. It's really nice out. So I'm probably just going to do nothing for the rest of the summer until training camp starts because that's just kind of the vibe I'm feeling lately. Um, it's not that far away. I know that. So this is the funny, like we were listening to the final van cast and they're like, uh, we'll see each other at training camp, which is in like a month. And I was like, Oh, right. It's the end of July right now. I, I wouldn't mind if this became the norm in terms of, uh, when, when like how super turnaround. Works. Well, yeah. And I mean, right now, if you look at the Olympic, the way the calendar is set up for the Olympics and everything for next year, it's not going to be all that different. Um, but until, until next time I write something, you can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at lock in the crease, and you can find, uh, my writing work at lock in the I posted a thing about the expansion drop. I should have a grades article coming out for some, for the, uh, reagency period for the Canucks as well pretty shortly here as well uh and then after that um who knows there might be some stuff coming coming pretty possibly for to be for you to be excited about but uh we'll see yeah till then folks thank you guys for listening to this one as always the crease cast we'll catch you on the next episode bye bye